This is the Martin Luther Sermon Podcast, and you are listening to Martin Luther's Sermon on Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14, preached on the 11th Sunday after the Feast of Holy Trinity. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfmuller of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Uh, if for more information about this sermon and other Luther sermons, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. I'm reading from a text and translation that is in the public domain, published by J.A. Schulze, publisher in Columbus, Ohio, in 1884. First, the Gospel lesson, Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14. And Jesus spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. So far the text. Luther's Sermon. In this gospel lesson, our dear Lord Jesus teaches us to be true and humble Christians. By humility alone, we are acceptable unto God. No one can please him nor enjoy his grace unless he walks in humility. This is shown in these two persons, the Pharisee and the publican. The Pharisee among the Jews held a position like that of the monks in popery. Both had their peculiarities in clothing and a special days for fasting and praying and advanced to such an apparent degree of holiness that compared with them all others appeared as very sinful and wicked. For this reason they were named Pharisees. Pharisaeus is a Hebrew word and means a singular person who keeps aloof from the company of common people striving to be something extra. The publicans, on the other hand, had an office something like that of our exercise or tax collectors. They collected the tax for water privileges, land leases, and the like, for which they had paid a fixed sum to the Romans, taking advantage, however, by oppressing and cheating the people at pleasure. Those who held such an office were looked upon as greedy misers and public sinners, and as a plague to the people. Hence it was not expected that any of them should be pious, as it, was not, as it was not expected that one of the Pharisees should be a rogue. Our dear Lord Jesus, however, here passes a far different judgment. He pronounces the publican to be godly and righteous, and the Pharisee to be a sinner, a great and shameless sinner. And St. Luke here presents the great contrast. He begins the parable with the words, There were certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. There were two great faults in the Pharisees. In the first place, they trusted in themselves that they were righteous, which in itself would have been bad enough, for it is a satanic sin. And besides this, they despised others. What can be done for such a hypocrite who tortures himself almost to death by fasting and praying, whilst the devil fills his heart to overflowing with pride and vanity, and who therefore boasts of his own works, saying, If I would not strive after holiness myself, I might wait long for God to make me holy, but I help myself by much fasting and praying and other good works which are not performed by the Jews. I am faithful in giving my tithes. If others could pay the priests with straw and stubble, they would do it, but I would never do so. I am more righteous, etc. Thus we observe two heinous faults in the apparently pious man. He is exceedingly proud and presumptuous, recognizing nothing good in others, but despising them as robbers, knaves, and adulterers. 
Especially does he describe the publican as a man who rakes, scrapes, and steals whenever an opportunity is given. Such a rogue, thank God, I am not. Over against him, he asserts, I am a living saint, etc. Such pride and arrogance is a great vice, even in the eyes of the children of this world. Hence the common proverb, If you are something good, let other people be something also. And how do you suppose God looks upon such conduct? All presumption and pride over against him will have to meet with his great displeasure and vengeance. In our text, our dear Lord Jesus especially describes true righteousness and also shows how it is to be distinguished and known from false righteousness. As though he said, Point out a man who seems to be a living saint. He fasts and gives alms. He does not commit adultery. He wrongs no one and delights in going to church. Who would venture to deny such a man to be godly? But I say to you, if you wish to judge him properly, you must not be deceived by outward appearances, which a rogue too may have, but you must learn to understand what it means to be righteous before God. Judging from outward appearances, this Pharisee is to be pronounced very good, and it would be desirable as far as external conduct is concerned that all men were like him. But this is not enough, and beware of depending upon it and putting your trust in it. For here we see that a devilish pride hides beneath such holiness of life. On account of such pride, the devil was expelled from heaven, and Adam and Eve from paradise. How then could such a man be retained in the church? It is all right and good in itself to fast, to pray, to give tithes, to keep from adultery, not to rob, to wrong no one. But the Pharisee so befouls all with pride that nothing remains but the dirt of the devil. In affairs of the world, one favors another for the purpose of gain. He does more harm than good, as also the proverb saith, nihil carius imitur quam quod donatur, that is, goods donated are the dearest. How can God be pleased with a holiness of which man boasts before him? Such a holiness is a double knavery. This is the case with the hypocrite in our text. O God, he saith, dost thou observe what a pious man I am? Others are nothing but extortioners, unjust, and adulterers, but I am godly, etc. This man with such a pride may do ever so much. He may sweat drops of blood and give himself to be burned. Yet before God, all his doings are sin and an abomination. Christ here says, If you wish to be pious, be so rightly and really, and be aware, lest you prove purse-proud saints. For if you sometimes stumble or even fall, I shall not be so much displeased as if you had all forms of sanctity, but at the same time were full of pride. At the close of our text, the Savior says, Everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Here he teaches us to be humble and to despise no one. Humility consists in thinking little of oneself but much of others. When one esteems himself and supposes he is learned, beautiful, rich, and pious, he is proud. Such was the case with the Pharisee. He esteems himself on account of his fasting, paying tithes, and other works. This the Lord prohibits. The publican, on the other hand, shows no pride but true humility. He does not boast but prays God to be merciful. This the Lord desires us to learn. He wants us to confess, I have nothing to boast of. And though I felt inclined to glory in myself, in my learning, riches, and power, the Lord might ask me, Whence hast thou derived these gifts from thyself? By no means. Whence did they come from? They came from me as my gifts. If anyone has reason to glory, it is I, the giver of all. For thee it is becoming rather to confess, 
Though I am rich, I know that thou, O God, canst make me poor in a moment. And though I am learned and wise, thou canst by a single word make me a fool. Such is the language of the humble, who do not glory in themselves, nor despise others on account of greater beauty, piety, or riches. Over against the devil, it might be well to glory and say, I have the word of God, and know that I have made use of it for the good of others in teaching, comforting, and admonishing them, and again I have done good to others by almsgiving, which I know to be good works in spite of all the slandering of the devil. But over against God, who is the giver of all, we have no reason to glory, but should be humble. Neither should we despise our neighbors. Every good gift belongs to God and comes from him. And although I should have received more of them than my neighbor, I know at the same time that God judges righteously, and that my neighbors, having received perhaps only the tenth part of the gifts which I have received, may on account of one virtue be far more acceptable unto God than I. Why then should I glory in anything of myself or exalt myself? If I have much, I should be afraid of misusing it. At all times I should remember that God deals according to his good pleasure, giving little to one and much to another. And yet it may be the case that the one receiving but little is favored most, because those having much must give account for more, whilst those having but little incur less danger. Such, however, is not the opinion of the Pharisee. He plainly shows his spirit. I am not as the other men are, or even as this publican. I give tithes of all that I possess. The publican does nothing but steal. I wrong no one, but he cheats and flays all who come in contact with him. In short, the Pharisee imagines that he is everything, and has everything, whilst he considers the publican to be nothing and to have nothing. What consummate wickedness! He should rather have said, It is true, I give my tithes regularly, I fast, and do other good works as much as I can, yet I cannot trust in all my doing. All I have and do is a merciful gift of thine, O God, and this publican may be more pleasing in thy sight than I. Thus the Pharisee should have placed the publican above himself, or at least on an equality with himself. He should have said, It is not depend on gifts, either many or few, but on a gracious God. Why should I boast and despise others when everything depends on the mercy of God and not on the gifts which we may possess? But such is not his language. He rather boasts of his piety, and that at a time when he is standing before God and praying. Thus the Lord forbids us to boast on account of our piety, and also teaches that no one has any reason to despair on account of sin, into which he has become misled by the devil. We have one God who embraces and covers us all with the mantle of his mercy, the pious and the sinner, the learned and the ignorant, the rich and the poor. He is the God of all of us. Hence we should not exalt ourselves, but be humble, and should not imagine that we are better than others because we are rich whilst they are poor. For God may favor the poor rather than the rich, yea, he can take away riches and reduce to nakedness, and again cover the naked beautifully and bestow excellent gifts. Why then should we exalt ourselves and despise others? In this world, there will always be such a difference in regard to person, standing, and gifts, so that one will be more highly esteemed than the other. Yet on that account we are not unequal before God, and because nothing is recognized before him except grace, why should anyone be permitted to boast and to be proud? All should humbly recognize the fact that God is the same, notwithstanding the difference in us. He has the same eye upon the poor as upon the rich. Therefore all should learn to trust in God's mercy and grace. Both the righteous and the sinner, the rich and the poor, the strong and the feeble, are in the hands of God. Whatever they possess, they have received from him. Of themselves they have nothing but sin. Hence no one should exalt himself other, over others, but all should fear God and be humble. For everything good is a gift of God. 
God has reason to claim the credit, not we. For us, it is becoming to make use of his gifts with thanksgiving and in the fear of God. He will not suffer us to be proud, presumptuous, and boastful. But whilst God forbids all pride on account of piety and other gifts, he does not at the same time want us to despair on account of our sinfulness. He rather wants us, in this case, to trust in his mercy and to say, Though I am not as plentifully supplied as others, yet their God is my God, and he has promised to be merciful to me also. Hence I will be contented and be faithful in my office or vocation according to the gifts which he has bestowed. I will despise no one, nor exalt myself, neither will I feel slighted if others are favored more than I. I am well satisfied that the God of others is my God also, who is always the same, notwithstanding the difference in men. It is this to which our Lord refers in the closing words of our parable when he says, Everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. As though he would say, If I meet a saint who wants to be nothing in himself but deep humility depends on me alone, I will exalt and enrich him without measure. But those who exalt themselves on account of gifts in their possession shall be deprived of them one after the other until they are cast out in disgrace into the bottomless pit of hell. If the Pharisee had not been so proud, but in all humility had been thankful, saying, O Lord, thou hast been merciful unto me, and graciously preserved me from my many sins, I thank thee for these gifts of which I am unworthy, but I do not exalt myself on account of them, neither do I on that account despise others. It is all thine thou hast given, and thou canst take away. If such had been his sentiment and language, God might have given him still more from day to day, and would not have been displeased with him. But because he is proud on account of his gifts and judges and despises others, saying, I am all, and the publican is nothing. Therefore God deprives him of all, leaving him nothing of which to glory. This is expressed in the sentence pronounced by the Savior. The publican went down to his house justified rather than the other. That is, the Pharisee is unrighteous and condemned and belongs to the devil in hell. What good does all his boasting do him? But the publican who prays, God be merciful to me, a sinner, is pronounced a saint of the church and enjoys the mercy for which he prayed. The Savior here teaches us all to understand better every day what we are and have, saying, If you have money, health, and other possessions, make good use of them. I do not bestow them, grudge I do not bestow them grudgingly. I delight in giving and will give still more. But do not exalt yourself nor despise others on account of it. Remember that those who have less than you can have the same gracious God as you. Therefore do not despise them. Let them be your equals, and God shall be praised by you all. The false saints do not honor God but dishonor him, though they may not do it in word or in public. If we would judge the words merely, we could not call it wrong in the Pharisee to say, God, I thank thee. Such words are used also by true saints in their prayers. But in their case, they come from a different heart. When they thank God for anything, they acknowledge at the same time that they, all they have is not of themselves, but is a work and gift of God. Such was not the conviction of the Pharisee, else he would have said, The reason that I am no adulterer, no extortioner, and no unjust man is not to be found in me, but in thee, thou alone art deserving of the praise. If I had been left alone and without the help of divine grace, I would have acted like other men. But we are all alike, and no one is entitled to exalt himself above, above others. Such, however, is not the language of the Pharisee. On the contrary, he says, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. He ascribes everything good which he possesses to himself, as if it came from him and not from God, else he would have said, Thou hast given it. But this he does not do. 
In his imagination he is rich in himself and able to give unto God. In reality he does not thank God but himself, his wisdom, his own will and powers, that he is able to accomplish so much. It is true, if God pours a rich measure of precious gifts upon individuals, it becomes them to acknowledge and appreciate such favors. For what would we think of a person claiming to have no more learning and to be no better than an ass or any other irrational creature? One who has received of God money and goods should not be unreasonable and pretend to be a poor and a beggar. So also, if one has done a good work by giving and assisting others, he would not be right for him to say, I have done no good work by no means. God's gifts we should recognize, praise, and esteem. But we have reason to humble ourselves and to say, O God, the gifts which I enjoy are not mine but thine. Thou hast given them, else I would be depraved of them like others. All praise is due unto thee. Everyone should thus humble himself before God. His gifts we should not, we should not consider small and insignificant, but great and glorious. Yet we should not exalt ourselves on account of them, but as we have stated repeatedly, ascribe all praise to God and say, It is thy gift, O God, thou hast bestowed it upon me. If others are without it, that matters not, for they have the same gracious God notwithstanding. Why should I despise them? In our text, the Lord wants to teach us humility and to warn us against pride and vanity. It is here written, Everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased. God has not spared his own chosen people, but has given them over to destruction because of their pride. Other nations, for the same cause, have shared the same fate. Pride also was the reason why Lucifer was expelled from heaven and Adam and Eve from paradise. Therefore, learn to address the Lord, saying, All I have is thine. Thou hast given it, and it is in thy power also to take it away again. Thus pride is subdued, for who would be foolish enough to boast of uncertainties? Those who think differently and suppose that they have all from themselves may here read their sentence according to which God will deprive them of everything and pronounce them unjust and the devil's own. God grant that we may take to heart these teachings and live according to them. Amen. This has been Martin Luther's sermon for the 11th Sunday after the Feast of Holy Trinity. I'm Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. For more Luther sermons, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Also, if you've got time and you're kicking around, visit www.wolfmuller.co to see some of the other projects we've got going on. God's peace be with you.